Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, sorry, sorry, sorry. I starting with an apology, but sorry, sorry, sorry that we're a little bit uh, late again. Again, technical issues, which I have been assured um, are going to be addressed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I believe it. I do. I believe it. I really do. Uh, Susan uh, should be on the other end. Hi, Susan. I am. I am. Okay, good. It's a beautiful day here in Pittsburgh, Green it's Bay, too. It's a beautiful too. day here in Green Bay, and, uh, and we'll see what it is in Chicago in a few hours. So you're going to, after the show, head off, right? Heading off. Uh, okay. Um, I I worry that the, uh, the audience gets uh, a little tired of and eye-rolling tired of when we talk about our mother. But I, I just want to sort of quickly do so again, if you don't mind, <laughs> real fast. Because Susan sent me... Uh, uh, a video yesterday of um, our mom finally back in the swimming pool um, because it, I mean this has to be historic that this early um, the pool is open and it's open okay, and that it was in the 70s yesterday right swim. yeah so after you know of you know the winter and her inability to do what she loves to do which is swim uh, she jumped right in, and um, it's just remarkable to watch her go. Uh, you know, she's very methodical. She ain't fast, wouldn't win a sprint. Just this methodical back and forth and back and forth. And, uh, you know, she's going to be 99 years old in the Right, month. and every once in a while she'll stop just for a second to pick like a, a a bud or a bug out of out the water. Of water. <laughs> yeah. Well. And, and that's it. And then she's back at it. It's not like she does, I mean, if I'm in the pool, I'll do two or three lengths and I'll go, okay, time to rest. She just goes back and forth and, and forth back and, and back maybe and every forth. 10 or 15 or 20 lengths. She'll uh, pause for a sec. She'll pause for less than less than thirty seconds. Well, it's pretty amazing to look at uh, anybody who's closing in on a hundred um, to do that. And I just want to say, it made me very happy because I know that uh, the enforced sort of uh, you know the enforced solitude of the pandemic and then the winter not even allowing her necessarily to walk safely um this is just wonderful did she was she exhausted though well after? here's the thing i had to you know i had to bark her into the pool because she just kept thinking she was too tired to go so i said you know what i want you to sit outside in the sun and feel how gorgeous it is because that's going to make you want to get in the pool so I got her out in the sun, and sure enough, she was in the sun for maybe a minute and a half. She says, well, it's hot out here. I'm going to put on my bathing suit. I said, right. So she does. She comes out. She gets. She hops right into the pool, and folks, 
this isn't kept at 150 degrees. This is <laughs> it's this is cold. colder than I would like to get into. Yeah, she keeps, it, she keeps it at 80 degrees, which is colder than most people like their swimming pools. But she finds it enervating if it's any warmer than that to swim in. So she just got in and and then says to me again, "Well, I don't know how much I can do." And then does fifty lengths. Fifty. Fifty. Well, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I don't know. I, I just it's pretty amazing. So I'm sorry. Well, we'll stop now. Although it was interesting because while we marvel at our our mother's uh, you know longevity and her good health, um, in the science section of the New York Times today, uh, the, the journalist Jane Brody, who's been writing uh, a health column for them for 100 million years, uh, does a reflection of the fact that she has just turned 80. And, um, and then she starts pointing out how many people are living really long and doing well. Um, the architect, Frank Gehry, Gehry? is mm-hmm. that how it's pronounced? Mm-hmm. Um, he's 92. He just began work on a huge new uh, downtown project in Los Angeles. Um, we got Fauci, right? Who's right. Aging. Listen, you got Dick Van Dyke and Angela Lansbury that just uh, were both in Mary Poppins, too. She's at least mother's age, and he's 95 and still dancing. Dancing. Nancy Pelosi looking good, 81, smart as a whip, wearing high heels. Bernie Sanders, who you'll recall, had a heart attack, right, when he was running, and we thought that was the end of him. He seems spry as usual. I'm just thinking of the the political ones. But she writes that. The people, the, the, the group of Americans who uh, live 80 and beyond is rising steadily and projected to grow even faster than the group under 18 for at least 40 more years. So, wow. For, so, but you got to, you know, that's, but that's a serious discussion. Because That's people have to very thing. seriously think about um, right. what they want to do with what may well, if they retire early, be a whole second half of their life or even more. And you have to be prepared for that financially and you have to be prepared for that emotionally. And um, if you don't like what you're doing, then you know, maybe you stop doing it sooner so that because you've got all this time that you could be something else. I um, I mean, I really think humans need to redefine how they look at the rest of themselves and um, what they want to put in their life to make up for what they were doing before. Because um, I know that having purpose in your life is, is not something that... Uh, uh, we're surprised to find out is important, but it really is important. Yeah. And if you have absolutely no goals or aims other to, than to sit on a couch, it's going to be a long 60 years. And my guess is it won't be 60 years. It'll be 30 years. But if you figure yeah. out 
something that is stimulating and interesting and keeps you engaged with your life, well, then you probably do get a whole second half. And so I, I think it does behoove us to try and figure out how we want to spend it, how to best spend it, and to be aware that we do have to spend it. Well, these are all, I, I, I don't disagree with the word you've said. The, the thing is, and this is the really sobering thing in her piece, is that <clears throat> the average, and again, average newborn in this country today, and this says something about how unhealthy America is, uh, the average newborn is not expected to make it to 80. Do you know that? Yeah. Well, we have pandemics and opioid crises and... No, we have poor diet, rising obesity. Right. And people living, too many people living in poverty. And then she points out another thing. If you look at all these uh, old people now who are doing pretty damn well, they grew up. Uh, eating real food. They were, they were, they grew up without uh, all this ultra processed food that we unfortunately have eaten. And all of that is um, part of what has created the uh, obesity epidemic. Surprise, surprise, corporate America is actively killing us. Yes, and then, no, but it's a great business model because we've pointed this out before, because once they've made us fat and sick, then they make tons of money uh, putting us on diet programs. And feeding us medications um, that break other parts of our bodies for which they then have to treat us as well. Yes, yes. And you're right, just cooking real food. Real food. Like and eating to. real just food. Real food. <laughs> just real food, guys. And I think some of us uh, reacquainted ourselves with that during this enforced, uh, uh, you know, being stuck in our homes, in that we didn't eat out as much, and we started cooking for ourselves more, and generally that means, generally it means, not always, that we were eating healthier, perhaps. Um, Ellen, Ellen writes, I'm so jealous of your mom. I've been deprived of my lap swimming for way too long now. I usually swim through our high school's adult education program, but that, of course, has been closed since I last swam there in March. Um, it looks like the outdoor pool I have access to this summer will open on schedule. I can't wait. I hope Well, I'm be aware and keep checking into it. There might be reservations. They might want to still maintain social distancing. So if you're really an avid swimmer, I would be checking into it now. See what the rules are and see if you can get your name on some reservation lists. Um, uh, this is the voice of experience. <laughs> really? So. Well, that's how it is in Chicago. So... Things are opening up, um, but um, not in ways that you might uh, think they're opening up. And in some ways, it makes it much nicer because the places that you're going that were always so crowded are not crowded. Um, But you do have to plan and you do have to stick to a schedule. 
Well, I do feel for people who, you know, the, all those people who were addicted to gym, you know, the gyms they went to. But those things now are are um, opening up. Speaking of old people who uh, who sort of reinvent themselves later in life, it wasn't too long ago, maybe about a month or so, that I I I shared a story that I had read about this woman. This old woman, and I said, no, I can't find her age. She was in her uh, 90s as well. And um, she lived in India. And she married at, you know, 15. She spent the next 50 years of her life raising her family. And then because she took her granddaughter uh, to check out a local shooting range um, and picked up a gun herself. <laughs> she was 68 at the time. She became like the, she's called Shooter Dadi, Shooter Grandma. And everyone in India became aware of her. She won contests and, um, this is so amazing because she grew up in this culture where women weren't supposed to do anything like that. Anything. And, you know, totally male-dominated culture, very conservative region in India. She spent the vast part of her life milking cows, grinding wheat, mopping floors, feeding this huge extended family. And then she picked up a gun. Now, the man... Imagine that! (laughs) The man in her family didn't know. And so she kept kept him in the dark. But she, under the guise of chaperoning her 12-year-old grandchild, kept going back. And the men in the family only found out about all of this when a local newspaper published an article about her <laughs> because she'd been winning she'd been winning medals at at, at otherwise you know they, they didn't know anything about this and they were furious yes but she had the gun <laughs> and that she, yeah and here's what she said I listened to them quietly but I decided to keep going. And I'm looking at a picture. She's an old, wrinkled woman and wearing a long skirt, a headscarf. She competed well into her 80s, often against men with military backgrounds. She won medals upon medals. Also, her granddaughter became a national uh, Marx person, whatever they're called. So she even created a school for kids uh, to learn how to shoot, became a coach and mentor to hundreds of young women. And so she became, in her old, old age, this feminist. Yep. Today, um, it says here that her part of Western Uttar, Uttar Pradesh, I guess that's the state, has dozens of shooting clubs, hundreds of children who take the sport seriously, 
And for many of them, it's a ticket to a better life and a job with the Indian Army or security forces. Every one of her grandchildren have competed at the national level. Um, anyway, right after I shared all that with you, I saw her obituary. Aww. So she she is now gone. She died on April thirtieth, and um, it and it wasn't the COVID stuff that's going on there now, but uh, her husband never saw her compete, and he and his brothers who ran the family just ignored her celebrity and her new interests. And she is quoted as saying, and that was fine with me. <laughs> amazing. Chandra Omar. God bless her. Someone Have I told you I'm taking up knife throwing? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not axe throwing. You know, you can throw axes too. Yeah, I know. I think I start with knives. Oh, okay. And why are you doing? Yeah, well, because I was working boring. out with my boxer trainer. Yeah, I know, but it's not enough to like. Not no, know. and I was thoroughly enjoying that. But as she was showing me a, you know, she was demonstrating something she wanted me to work on. She kicked away at a big pile of things on her living room floor. She said, "Ignore that stuff. Those are my knives." And I and I ignored it for about thirty seconds. I said, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Let's go back. What Those you are your what?" <laughs> she said, "Those are my knives. It's for knife throwing." It's for... and I go, "Ooh, can we do that too?" She goes, "Would you really like to do that?" I said, "Ooh, I'd really like to do that." She said, "Okay, why not? I, these things are fun, and they are all." There are new skills that, that teach my body all sorts of new things. They're so good for my brain. And, by the way, it's fun. <laughs> As I told her, I mean, my trainer's in her 60s, right? So I said, we're going to be the two most badass old broads around. Yeah, I'm going to steer clear of you. Jeez. <laughs> God almighty. Okay, so. Well, everybody, she has, you see, I think it's interesting that we older women, when we find our purpose in life, pick up guns and knives and I wonder, I wonder why that might be. Well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, you live a relatively powerless existence for for the majority of your life and you want uh, something that makes you feel powerful and um, in control. I guess. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's election day here in Pittsburgh. I want to remind the audience that we're electing, I mean, it's a primary, but in Pittsburgh, that means we're electing the mayor today because ain't only Democrats going to win. So whoever wins the Democratic primary wins. And um, just, uh, just reminding you to head to the polls. I, I got this really, uh, I'm, I'm stunned, and, and Roger, I, 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 I forwarded this on to the people at City Paper for them to check out. Roger wrote, uh, did you know that poll workers, volunteers are quitting at the last minute to protest the November rigged election? He says, a good friend of mine runs a number of the polls and is currently pulling her hair out trying to man them. 
is anyone in media covering this? So Roger's saying that some of the poll workers aren't showing up. No, and they're doing it. What he's saying is they're doing it deliberately, that they signed up to be poll workers knowing that they didn't intend to do it in order to influence an election themselves. That's really disgusting. It's really, really, that is really disgusting. It is really despicable. Roger, I wish you would send me your friend's uh, number so that maybe a reporter could get this out. Um, Whatever. Just saying. Unbelievable. Well, Uh, you know, um, as any good Republican would say, let's fuck up a democracy a little bit more. We aren't done yet. I was, there was an article in, uh, I guess it was, it was either the Times or the Post, I can't remember which one I was, um, about uh, Wausau. Did you happen to see that? Wausau, no. Wisconsin? No. Wausau, Wisconsin has been um, mired in a political um, uh, maelstrom, I guess, of their own making because... Someone had the idea that they should publish a diversity statement saying that, you know, that they were welcoming to all. And it turns out they aren't. (laughs) And they couldn't they couldn't agree on the wording because saying that they welcomed everybody meant that they were putting white people down. They just flat out said it. They, you got people in the in the in the columns flat out saying, "If he does better, I'm gonna do worse." Where did they? I again. It, I mean, but I've never heard them be this clear about it. Okay, and but that, that is, and at the base of that, and what we've, at the, you know. I've said this before, the reason we don't have nice things in this country, which is to say universal health care and all the kinds of safety net stuff that every other civilized nation has, is because of what Susan just said, this peculiar American thing that is um, that is based in our race, our just systemic to the bone racism, that Americans were quite willing to have a safety net until about the 30s and 40s when they began to see that black people were getting the same benefits. Because used to be these kinds of benefits weren't for black people to get. And so when black people started to have, to get this kind of thing, it became something that you, you know, it became welfare, it became handouts. for And, and white America was willing to go without white needy America because of their sense that if black people got this stuff too, that they somehow, the white folks, would lose out. Well, and it's what also just become that? very clear that you know that that one of the one of the shining principles of America is they see it is I'm to do as 
good as I possibly can, and it's even better if it's at your expense. The way I should get there is by standing on your head. That's good. God. I mean, when you read this article, you're just going, I can't believe this. All about trying to put in a, we're a friendly town diversity statement. Now the people that we're trying to put it together are thinking about moving out. You could also, I'll make, I'll make, a, I'll make an argument from the other side, just to play devil's advocate here. Uh, this was coming from what, their city council or their whatever, I don't know. Whatever the city council, yeah. Entity, right. You could argue that simply bringing it up, the more uh, progressive people on the council who brought it up, that they had to know that they're more conservative. It's not right to even use the word conservative. They're more Republican folk uh, would see that as a red flag. As well, a, actually, as a, one of the women, a, you know, one of the provocative to them, and and also, what difference would it make to have such a statement? Someone isn't going to come to Warsaw because their council, you know, and it it, it was unnecessary. Do you know what well, I mean? Um, I, well, I, I can understand what you're saying. Um, uh, the, it was, of course, introduced by um, the one black council person, and, and there was a, uh, a Hmong woman um, who are uh, Thai refugees that um, are... No, I don't think they're Thai. I think they're Cambodian. Well, in this article, they said these were... Thai? Thai. Hmongs? Um, okay. unless I totally misremembered. Um, and anyway, she, but she was born and raised there in Wausau. I mean, they, they, they've been here a while. She said, this is not the place that I'm raised in, you know, and, and I, I do not understand. You know, they, they did not expect what happened to happen. They didn't expect people to stand up and, 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 and the one, you know, and one of the guy, you know, is talking about the coloreds and how if the coloreds get it and he's the big guy. Oh. You know, and I'm just going, I, this is just, this is just makes me heart sick. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be controversial to say in the United States, we believe we are all created equal and have equal opportunity. That should not be controversial. There should not be standing up, someone standing up and saying, if that's true, someone's taking some of mine. But that's the mindset people, so many people have, and they've been egged on to feel this, this measure of grievance and, uh, and fear you know, caravans of brown people invading your country, bringing disease, cutting your throats in your sleep. This is, you know, Donald Trump. Oh, I know. And by the way, this uh, this farmer, this 51-year-old farmer that leads the opposition, looks like he eats way too much processed food. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. 
Well, he looks like a real American. I'm just bringing it back to the conversation that he should be eating a healthier diet. He has no excuse. He lives in America's, you know, farmland. Okay. Um, (coughs) I want to put out there that I I mentioned yesterday that uh, Liz Cheney had said that some of her Republican colleagues had actually told her that the reason they voted you know, to oust her and against, uh, you know, getting making Trump accountable in any way is because they were literally afraid of being killed. Yeah, the same reason the uh, LaPierre was floating on his mega yacht in the middle of some sea. So these very people who have made this country into uh, a, a, a nation that is armed to the teeth, right, they're, they're the reason why we're armed to the teeth, and why it's almost legitimate, right, to fear. Well, and they also stoked the mob. I mean, they poked the bear. Right, and now the bear's coming for them. And I was thinking of this uh, horrific, awful human being, this Marjorie Taylor Greene, and of her screaming at another congressperson, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, screaming at her as she walks out of the House chamber, Hey, Alexandria, Alexandria, uh, you don't care about the American people. Why do you support terrorists? Why do you support terrorists? This is in... Okay, so, this is what now passes for a congressperson, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And some guy on Twitter nailed it. It is something I have suggested before. I think Matt Gates would fall into this as well, this category, as, as would the, the Josh Howley. People... These are people who have no interest in governing. They have no interest in the actual job. Doing the job. They ran because, I'll find this guy, here it is. He says, I think what we're seeing is just an ongoing trend of people who want to be celebrities more than they want to govern. And the Republican Party now has sent so many of these people to into office, state level, and they're just there to cause trouble and to raise their profile and to get on Fox News and then maybe to work at Fox News. They, they, they're just... It's a game to them of getting to the top, not to govern, right. but to be famous. Clicks. It's about power. clicks. I. Okay. Well, and speaking of another extraordinary Republican, how about this guy? Uh, what was what was this jerk's name? The tourist uh, guy. Yes. I mean, we can pick them out. It's just another tourist day. And then, of course, 
inevitably three days later. And I remember watching. That was one of the few days since the uh, the inauguration that I was actually watching news during the day because I don't do that anymore. Um, and I, but I was watching that particular hearing, and I caught this guy. And within 30 seconds, I was screaming at the television. Well, what are you doing? Stop testifying. You know, I mean, just this is what he was testifying. He kept saying things like this. Outrageous I don't think he was like testifying. This. He was questioning. No, 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 no. He was the questioner, but he was testifying. Yes, right. He was using it as he knew he was on, on TV, and he was going to make a statement. And he said, quote, it was just like January 6th. It was just like any kind of tourist day. And then, four days later, there's the picture of him along with him. six other terror, terrorized Congress people barricading the doors against the tourists. Yeah, against the tourists. But what this shows is chilling. Because in real time, you are looking at these Republicans rewriting a story that we all watched. know. We watched. We just watched it. We we watched it, and they're now saying, "Ah, no problem." And in fact, they weren't Trump support. Oh yeah, they weren't Trump supporters either. Did you oh know no, that? no, no, no. They, they that was Antifa, if I've ever seen it. Yeah, yeah. And if they what? look like Trump supporters, that was just false flagging. So I guess if you're doing this to support the big lie, you just have to keep lying. I just, just lie, 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 and don't blink. And sitting in a congressional hearing with other people who experience that, and having the, they have the gall or the guts to say that, but they're terrified of getting on the wrong side of the Frankenstein they created. Yeah. I, I just, it's, it's, it's so dangerous. I can't, you know, often, I'm sorry, I'm stammering today. We used to say, when you talked about Germany, you would, before, World War Two. You would say, "How could it? How could, how that could they happen? not notice? How could this be? How could people do? not stop this before it got out of control? I mean, it, it's insanity. This seems more insane than the Germans. Oh, it does. And you see people trying to stop it, and nothing stops it. I, I don't know. I just." don't know i don't either but you know um i don't and I, this is this is why in some ways the pandemic was good because when we'd have conversations like this and i would think about that little scrawny two-bit tourist guy you know that you know he you just would like someone to quite literally knock some sense into him <laughs> so susan yeah. Well, I don't want to say anything to get the Secret Service to come. I'm not. I'm not actually advocating violence. But you know, if he were to trip somehow and get a good knock on his head and wake up sane, it would be very nice. Well, it ain't gonna happen. 
said, uh, has said uh, the Hmong, H-M-O-N-G, are members of an ethnic group that have not had a country of their own for thousands of years. They lived in southwestern China, but then the Chinese began limiting their freedoms in the 1600s, and many migrated to uh, Laos, Thailand, and other neighboring countries. So that's where they're displaced. God, they're right. like wandering Jews. Well, they're displaced, and now they they live in there's a, there's in a lot in the Fox River Valley of Wisconsin. Also, in the, a lot in yes, they live a lot in the Green Bay area in Wisconsin, and also in Minnesota. How they, and, how but they you know, it's sort of lovely because they they continue their they brought their culture with them. So the Fox River that uh, divides the city of Green Bay into an east side and a west side. And for the time for the time that uh, my sister and I were growing up here was the stuff of quite literally my nightmares where I would dream that the bridge broke and the car fell into the river but bounced off of it because it was so polluted from everything. I mean, I've literally had that nightmare. Um, um, but now it's been cleaned and it's and 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 um, and it's a beautiful river which I never noticed as a child. But one of the things that makes it so beautiful is now. Um, as long as it's not frozen over, that river is dotted with fishermen. Yes, Hmong. Hmong. The Hmong fishermen. You see them out in their boats, and they're, yeah, because... And, it's, and it changes the whole view of that river, because previously, if you were going to see water traffic, they were speedboats, this is not that. This is just this peaceful, this just beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Mom. Well, I'm just saying, you know, I'm sorry, but people that don't understand the beauty and the and the gift that our immigrant um, culture gives us from all over. Tell me about it. You and your avocado toast. Tell me how much you don't like Mexicans. Give them back their avocados. <laughs> <laughs> it's really I, I just really, you know oh that reminds me of something I read I and I never referred to this because I just didn't have the stomach at the time but our former uh, Senator Rick Santorum yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even read about it I just read that he did something despicable again and I said I don't even want to know okay well I'm going to share something with you that he said and I hadn't said it myself um, but I, I want to find exactly where I have it here. Uh, he said, he, he, he said essentially that, you know, there were, here. He said this on CNN, who for some reason employs him as a, you know, as a representative of, uh, Republicans. Uh, he said, there isn't much Native American culture in American culture. Oh, right. He was saying that before before the white men came, the people who whose land this was had no culture that we found you know, interesting enough to... Uh, 
take on. Right, right. I mean, clearly, uh, the implication that Christian European settlers built this country from nothing. And someone, I think this was written by, this is really extraordinary because it appeared in the local paper, which is owned by uh, a Trump-loving racist millionaire. But whoever's now writing editorials has been being uh, sort of astonishing in a number of instances, including this one, because it says this. To set the record straight, this is offensively incorrect. Uh, such words indicate a fundamental misunderstanding of the melting pot of cultures that forms these United States. Uh, and then they, they really, they lit light into them. Do you enjoy corn, Mr. Santorum? Or perhaps peanuts, pumpkins, squash, or melons? Native Americans were responsible for genetically modifying many crops that still permeate a typical Westerner's diet. Settlers arriving in the New World would never have survived <clears throat> if the native tribes had not shared their farming techniques with them. And then they go on. How about rubber, kayaks, certain early forms of analgesic, or the game of lacrosse? These tribal cultures you so readily dismiss have cast shadows stretching to today with their discoveries and practices continuing to impact American lives. And then he goes, this thing goes on, Americans just, he says, and I didn't know this, perhaps the most significant impact by Native Americans involves the U.S. Constitution. Dating to 1142, the Iroquois Confederacy is said to be the world's oldest living participatory democracy. What? I didn't know that. Dating to 1142, the Iroquois Confederacy. Hmm. This confederacy of six Iroquois-speaking tribes in New York, Pennsylvania, Ontario, Canada, provided inspiration for the original 13 colonies of the United States to band together. And to this day, the Great Seal of the United States features an eagle holding 13 bundled arrows a nod to own Onondaga leader, Onondaga leader, Kasanatego, I don't know how to pronounce these names, who argued in the 18th century that many arrows together are tougher to snap than just one. And did you ever in your learning about the founding fathers hear one word that they maybe might have gotten some? No. And here I am trying to think of that statement giving us a year in a way that they would not have been keeping track of time. And it also suggests, uh, you know, some, um, well, there will be some tradition of relating history back in terms of those things. So I, I'd be interested in finding out how they get back to that year. 
I don't know, but check it out. It says that the Senate uh, in 1988, this had to be when the Democrats were in charge, passed a resolution, House Concurrent Resolution 331, acknowledging, quote, the contribution made by the Iroquois Confederacy and other Indian nations to the formation and development of the United States of America. So there's definitely history there. Oh, no, I'm not doubting the history. I'm finding it interesting. I'm trying to, you know, I want to know how much is oral and how much is written. You yeah. know, and, no, uh, no. you know, you're yeah, an, especially when you're going back to 11-something. <clears throat> yeah. I know. Amazing. And so, you know, and, and so what's interesting, it's clearly overlaid with the European telling of it. And, I'm, and at this point, whenever I have to understand that it's overlaid with that, I am instantaneously suspicious, even if it's in, in being presented in a lost way. <laughs> well, check it out. I mean, I... Yeah, I, it's I interesting. Would, It'll oh, give me something to check out. Yeah. Iroquois Confederacy. Okay. So... According to this, the oldest functioning democracy. Hmm. So, here's something I've been sitting on. I haven't been in a Target store yet in my since the pandemic. It's not like I went there a lot anyway, but I haven't. And now I'm. I I, I had no idea that uh, Target was a place where you could, uh, I guess, get get run over. Um, Target, have you heard this, has no. temporarily suspended certain sales, citing, oh, yeah. a, citing a, a threat cards. to the safety of their customers and workers. <laughs> Specifically, it's Pokemon cards. Pokemon. Well, of course. Well, what? what? And it turns out, it's not just Target, Walmart, too. They're all... <clears throat> there during the pandemic, I guess people who had nothing to do uh, began I, what trading I trading you know people have been trading baseball cards and Pokemon cards and all kinds of you know bubble gum cards. People, if they're there, they're collected, and and um, they've always been collected. It fell by the wayside. For by but when you're stuck, you know, in your house for a year, you start going through your crap, and you come up with the cards. And of course, there's always a few valuable ones. So people, the people just would start stampeding and and buying them all up so they could basically jack up the price if they found one. I mean, it's all you know. I, it makes me puke. So it says here the demand now for new packs of cards, like those that are were sold in Target, but they don't want to sell them anymore, and in Walmart. Um, and, and it's not like you know people are they're camping. They were camping out, um, waiting for the stores to restock with more, and then they go tearing into the Target. I guess running over people and and I mean Target literally had to say, "Okay, guys, we don't have any. We're not selling any." Yeah, I, you know, anymore. I got to tell you, people during the pandemic have been doing very weird things to stores. 
you know, and thinking it's fun. I mean, just not even paying it to, I, I, uh, we're totally, we were never very civilized. We're now totally uncivilized. Yeah. A rare Pikachu card was traded for an estimated $900,000 in December. And I guess there's these agencies, these businesses that confirm the authenticity of rare cards. And they say they have been so overwhelmed that there's this huge backlog. People are going insane. That's right. And but at least, at least yes. you don't have to remember a password in order to maintain its value. Yes, yes okay. Well, that's something else I want to get into. But it says that part of the, in yeah, this is, you know, stuff you hold in your hand, right? Part yes, of the actual asset. <laughs> part of the increased demand for these cards, listen to this, traces back to social media influencers who have found many viewers by streaming themselves opening packs of new cards on video. Imagine that. There are people now who are making money and have gotten people <coughs> all over the country who breathlessly watch them, these so-called influencers, Open a friggin' pack of new Pokemon cards. Have we, like, devolved into the stupidest, shallowest of peoples? I can't even, I can't, what do you mean that's something you would do? Oh, my God, so-and-so is opening cards we all got to watch. I, I don't understand this world at all anymore. Hey, one more thing, just to scare the hell out of you. This former uh, reporter for Breitbart, the right wing, uh, well, Steve Bannon owned it, right? Right. He says, guys, what you're seeing with, like, the the congressman saying, oh, no, it's just, uh, that was just a normal tourist day. January 6th, he says, guys, you need to know what you are seeing now is act, just act one of a three-part uh, play, if you want to call it that. Um, the first one was, yes, the big lie. January 6th, the rewriting of that history, and that's what busily Republican Republicans in state legislatures, Republicans in Congress, um, on Fox News, that's all they're doing now, is pouring lies into people's heads and rewriting history. He says, get ready, because Act 2 is going to be the 2022 midterms. Of course. And here's the scary <clears throat> He says if Republicans somehow get control of just one of the chambers, and there's a pretty good shot they got at the House, he says, I will guarantee you that in 2024, if they don't like the results of the election, the national election, the presidential election, they will not certify those results. And they will create a constitutional crisis the likes of which we have never seen. 
putting, obviously, our democracy totally um, at risk. So that's Act 2. What the hell is Act 3? I think yeah, that, I think that is Act Three. Well, Act Three that was is Act Three. Of, yeah. Okay. So then you'll see what you're going to see. He said is when you have one of the two political parties make excuses, rewrite history for the violent insurrection effort on January 6th. You're going to see more of that. Um, when the Republican Party sits up at a congressional hearing and says, you know, oh, it was just like any kind of tourist day, you're telling these people to keep doing it, to do it more, to get more violent, because the Republican Party will run cover for you. He said the Republicans in Congress are the getaway drivers for these Democratic arsonists. So it's not going to stop, right? It's no. Just oh, no. Why would it stop? These, the, the, oh, I just find it so frightening. I find it so extraordinarily frightening. It's very frightening. It's very frightening. And the, it, 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 <sighs> in the 50s, the mobs weren't able to be whipped up the way these same people can be whipped up now because of no, social because media. they didn't have social media then. Right. We are, yeah, we are heading into something really terrifying. David writes about your Wausau story. This is the result of our founding fathers creating a society based on the idea of a meritocracy, but built by slaves. The meritocracy becomes aspirational, and the demise of slavery brings a perversion of competition that undermines the concept of true meritocracy. Yeah, you know, you can't, this, this sleight of hand that the founding fathers did with, uh, you know, the only way they could create, get the compromise necessary was to keep, keep slavery and, and say that those slaves were not human. They were three-fifths of a human. And the Civil War really accomplished next to nothing. Did it? Well, we're it still fighting it. That's what's clear. It was a battle. We shouldn't have called it. it, it, it it's the war continues. Right. And it's the same people, same side, same, same crap uh, going on. Uh, I've been reading, you know, about how Americans have been brainwashed and people living in the South especially have been brainwashed about our history and even what that war was about. It's something. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm just so overwhelmed by it right now. Well, I don't think the, I don't know why you limit it to the South, because there's plenty of folks oh, no, 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 clearly that were yeah. educated here that well, seem to have the exact same view of the Civil War as the people down South. You, if it, I mean, you choose what you believe. You choose, you know. Uh, hey, here's something that's not, you know, about all this stuff. It's just uh, something I saw that I think is interesting. Boise 
Where's that? Idaho? Mm-hmm. Boise. Of all American cities, I guess over a certain, you know, anything that you'd really call a city, Boise has had the sharpest rent increases over the last year. Boise, ladies and gentlemen, turns out that a lot of people running out of the cities, big cities, who have money, have bought up places in Boise, which ain't too cool for the folks who already live there, right? Sharpest rent increases over the past year. It's going to change the politics, too. (laughs) Oh, boy. So listen to this. Many of the country's least affordable places to live are not the ones you think are. So that Orlando, relative, you know, just using what a, a average person in these cities earns, and then to look at what things cost for them to live. Relative to median pay, Orlando is now more expensive to live in than San Francisco. Than San Francisco to find housing. Orlando. And Miami is more costly than New York City. Again, not in, you know, real, not in dollars. They, they're not more expensive in absolute terms. But the people who have lived there are seeing increases because of the influx of people with lots of money to burn. And those rich people are going to be pricing people out of their homes in cities that never had this issue before. The rich cause a lot of trouble. Well, listen, they're emptying out of New York and Chicago, and and when life begins to return to normal, they'll decide they don't like Boise so much, and they'll go back. Yes, screw them. So Uh, this article, which was in Bloomberg, says, so where is housing still truly affordable? Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think places like Pittsburgh and St. Louis um, stay there. Pittsburgh, Columbus, Indianapolis, they have managed to stay inexpensive, and that means they become magnets for skilled, younger workers. But the reality is, I was talking about yesterday, we're losing population here. And the rich and the developers are gentrifying the hell out of uh, neighborhoods here and displacing black people again. I don't like the world the way it works. No. I really, I really want to object. Well, you know, this is, this is why you do have things like government and zoning regulations and and historic preservation and and um you know housing equity distribution so But that, it only know. works, Susan, if those governmental entities have not been co opted and corrupted by the moneyed interests. Well that's right. 
very or if that's ask. your goal. Or if as a government, that's your goal. If you're in the city of Wausau, that's not your goal. Well, and we won't get into the fact that the Supreme Court has taken on uh, yeah, where they can pretty much uh, eviscerate Roe v. Wade. (laughs) It is a wee bit disheartening. But on a positive note, if you want to take a rapid COVID test, the best you just you can get as many as you want in a place like Green Bay, Wisconsin, because nobody knows what they're for. But if you're in Chicago, you can't get one of those things. I if I wanted to start a business, I would just buy up all the COVID tests and bring them to Chicago and sell them for fifteen times their price. I'd be I'd be a very rich so woman. A COVID test shouldn't cost a penny. Oh, no, these are rapid COVID tests that you do in your home. That you, you don't have to pay to get a COVID test. This, this is, these are things that you get no, in your I home, you get a result, and you get the result in 15 minutes. If you live in a city where you're working or you want to go to an event, uh, they might require that you do these COVID tests, but it, they aren't available in Chicago because people understand what they're for and they use them. Um, I see. So that's what I'm saying. They're open because nobody, it wouldn't occur to anybody. Well, I never had a test. I never have. Why should but, I? Well, I tested your mother yesterday. Yeah, and does she have COVID? No. no. And, she, and she goes, well, of course not. <laughs> well, right. I'm with her. God. All right, I'm call, I'm calling this one off. I can't. I, I and guys, I I've been assured by the folks at City Paper that they are going to get new equipment and figure out a better system so that the show is not. Seeing that any thirteen-year-old seems to be able to do this from that's what I keep saying. How can every you know some every dunderhead in their underwear is doing a podcast from their basement? <laughs> Oh, dang it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, we'll be in touch. Yes. Well, safe travels. Okay. And uh, you don't have any idea how long you're staying in Chicago with our mom. I am staying in Chicago uh, for the next foreseeable bit. Again, um, our brother is swooping through on Thursday and... And picking her up. Picking her up and returning her. Oh, that's great. That's good. I'm glad you guys figured that out because, you know, if she can swim now, she needs to be home. That's why we That's why we stay the next right. day. Yeah, that's wonderful. And why we're, great. Hu- we're hustling in now. Okay. All right, well, safe travels, and um, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll be in touch. Okay. Okay, okay. bye-bye. And goodbye, you guys. I'm sorry about today. I feel like it was such a f- bummer of a show. Um, I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's the friggin' world, that's why. And then there's my voice, which particularly sounds disgusting. So, uh, listen, in the next few days before we get into equipment and all that stuff, if the show's not there right at 10, give us give us a 5 to 10 minute <laughs> window. Although, I could also suggest 
to uh, my producers that maybe they could start getting ready for the show earlier to, you know, make sure they can get on and not have to, you know, keep you guys waiting. I don't know. I give up. I don't understand a goddamn thing anymore. Okay, goodbye. I'm going to go out and enjoy this glorious weather. I hope you can, too. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.